welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. So not long ago, I did a podcast called Christianity the Third Way. And I made the point that biblical Christianity uh, is not completely aligned with the politics of the right or completely aligned with the politics of the left. And that, that really Christianity is, a, is a, an alternative or maybe a blending of the two to some extent. I know that's not very popular. A lot of people, especially my friends on the right, believe that uh, if you're biblical, you're going to end up Republican. But I don't think that's the case. Uh, certainly, the Republicans represent some important moral values, and, and I don't say all the time I am a Republican. Uh, but I think it's wrong to identify our Christianity as being exclusively Republican or, of course, exclusively uh, Democrat. And so I, I did that podcast, got a lot of feedback from it. And one of the things that I, uh, and I'm going to answer some of those questions today uh, that I received, but one of the things that was a real hot button issue was I said that, that if you're being biblical, if you're aligning yourself with scripture, you have to recognize that the state does have a calling and a compelling interest in tending poverty. Uh, there's, a, there's a view on the right that all care for the poor ought to be done by the private sector, individuals exercising their free choice, maybe businesses um, or churches, of course. But, but that's not seen in Scripture. In fact, in the Old Testament, there were actual taxes and tithes required to, uh, to tend the poor, and there were practices commanded uh, by God to take care of the poor. And it wasn't just the private sector. So, so uh, that raised a great many questions. And one of the questions was, okay, if the government is called to tend the poor, if, if government has a role in tending the poor, well, how do you avoid uh, the excesses of the modern welfare state? It's a great question. Uh, I do believe that we see in Scripture that government is called, first of all, you, I'm not a, a radical libertarian because I, radical libertarians tend to believe, they're almost anarchists, they almost believe that government is an evil. A lot of that thinking has crept into Republican thinking. Um, and of course, biblically, government is uh, an institution ordained by God, just like the church is. Uh, so number one, I start with the idea that the church is ordained by, I'm sorry, the government's ordained by God. Number two, uh, I proceed with the assumption that that the government is or is ordained by God to tend uh, issues of security, issues of justice. Well, obviously, poverty is mixed in there, and so it's a great question. If we accept the idea that the government, that the federal government, state government, ought to be involved in caring for the poor, uh, how do we keep the disaster of the modern welfare state from? From occurring, and, and this is where we need to drill down into the truths of Scripture because there are a great many principles in the Bible that ought to be applied to public policy, that ought to be applied for in, in social justice matters and caring for the poor, uh, that are that uh, that would prevent a lot of what's happening today. I can't. I'm not going to go through every single one of them, of course, in answering this question. Let me just give you some examples. One of the prominent principles uh, in the in the Scriptures uh, is that if a man won't work, he shouldn't eat. That laziness is not to be countenanced. Uh, that a lazy man in a church, a man who won't care, take care of his family in a church, is, it, should, it should be marked and rebuked and dealt with. Um, but the principle is if a man won't work, he shouldn't eat. Any system of helping the poor uh, should, from a biblical perspective should be built on the principle that work uh, is at the heart of, of care, of welfare, of benevolence. 
And so uh, throughout history, the church has always provided opportunities uh, for the poor to work, to work themselves out of poverty. In fact, um, this was even built in biblically uh, to the prison system. Uh, If you look at the biblical idea of jails or prisons or incarceration, uh, you find that the idea of of charging a man and maybe incarcerating him um, really led almost immediately to him making restitution. If somebody, if a, if a young man stole my car, he's caught, he's arrested, he's tried, he's convicted, well, he would then be put in a situation where he restores uh, financial value to my life equal to the loss of that car or perhaps greater. Um, and that's an example of where work is at the foundation of care for the poor. Uh, not just providing them a job, but putting them in a situation where they can work. Now, this began to get a bad name in England through the writings of Dickens and others because the workhouses weren't real functional. But the very idea of a workhouse um, was built on the biblical idea that the way you break into poverty is by, by providing people a chance to work. Even in the Old Testament, the idea of gleaning, uh, a man who owned a field of grain, for example, was not to harvest all the grain in that field, but leave some so that gleaners, meaning poor people who, who were willing to use their hands and work, could go through and get some of the grain that was left there uh, for their good. You understand that the idea of work, the idea of a man having to get off the couch and work and produce uh, is very much at the foundation, not only, of course, of the biblical worldview as a whole, but it's at the foundation of care for the poor. And and uh, even an artificial employment um, run for benevolent purposes is of value in that regard. So you would never have a situation in a biblical uh, benevolent system where you would have people just living, quote unquote, on the dole, as the British say, never working, working the system, hadn't had a job in years, virtually unemployable, etc. That that would not result from a biblical kind of perspective. Uh, the other thing is that from a biblical perspective, you would have a moral vision in mind. You would not pay women uh, more money when they had children illegitimately. You would not create a game of men living unmarried in the home of their the woman they're sleeping with, but not being listed as husbands because you know the the income would drop. Uh, you would not have these kinds of games being played. You would you would keep morality in mind, criminal activity, character, marriage, family, family violence. All of those things would be worked in and not ignored. So that, that's just, just a little bit of an example of how if you build a response to the poor on a biblical foundation— uh, and I certainly believe that we need to understand that the, the scriptures speak more to poverty than almost any other subject except God himself. Uh, that, that if you build on these biblical principles, it actually improves um, the systems that we're dealing with. It actually is an indictment of the, of, the, of, the, of the welfare system that is actually entrenching poverty and raising up generations that are virtually unemployable. Um, there, there are there are other uh, matters uh, that that came about. Some questions that people asked. For example, I said briefly in that podcast that we need to be praying for our government. Well, I had some folks say, "Do you mean we need to be praying for uh, people who are Democrats? Do we need to be praying for for governments that are evil? Do we need to be praying for uh, people who are pro-abortion?" Well, I, I know it's a hard thing for us to deal with, but. But in the scriptures, in the New Testament, when Paul commands us to pray those who are in governing authority over us, at the time, the people in governing authority would have been Roman emperors, 
uh, and, and Roman officials who were highly corrupt, who were idolaters, um, who murdered people, who persecuted the church and would continue to. Um, at one point, while, while Paul is writing, Nero is the emperor. I could go for hours on how perverse Nero was. Um, Nero once made his horse a senator. He once kicked his pregnant wife to death. Um, he was vile. I mean, the rumors were, and the, and the recounting is that he used to use Christians as torches for his garden parties. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and how corrupt and evil he was. And yet Paul was telling us to pray for him. So uh, the, the, the bottom line is, yes, we ought to be praying for, for everybody in governing authority over us, all the more if they are uh, evil or unrighteous. And I have to tell you that I've actually been standing in a church where I spoke, somewhere in the South, where a man walked up to me and said he would not pray for Barack Obama. And I said, well, you know, you really don't have a choice there. That's commanded. That's actually commanded in Scripture. He said, I'm sorry, I just can't do it. Well, you know, he didn't need to apologize to me. He needed to deal with God because God commands us uh, to pray for those in authority over us. And by the way, it seems to me that the more you disagree with a Barack Obama or George W. Bush or whoever pre the president is or your governor or your senators or your congressman, that, that, that the more you disagree with them, the more you got to pray for them. So we've got some odd thinking here, uh, and it's time for us to get uh, more biblical in our response. Another question that I had uh, was given was, are all governments ordained by God? Well, you know, Romans 13 says it very clearly in the first few verses. There is no authority except what is given by God. Now, the Bible makes it clear that God even uses corrupt governments. He even uses unrighteous governments um, and, and uh, uses them for his purposes. In fact, to read the Old Testament is to read sometimes the prophets having a very difficult time um, with God uh, using wicked people. I mean, how many times does a prophet in the Old Testament stand up and say, well, God, hang on here. You're, you're, you're going you're gonna to use a, a people, an unclean people from a distant land to discipline uh, your chosen ones, Israel? That's what you're going to do? And God says yes. I mean, he even, he even calls Cyrus, the, the, the Persian king, his pastor, his shepherd at one point. I mean, God unquestionably uses even governments that do not acknowledge him and are not righteous. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that people under those governments don't need to engage in if, you know, civil disobedience or try to change the government. It doesn't mean that we just sit back and go passive. Uh, but it does certainly mean uh, that God is not, has ordained all governing authority, does call us to pray for all those in authority over us, and, and that, yes, all governments need to be seen as operating in authority from him. In fact, one of the great illustrations of this uh, is that when Paul was arrested, uh, he was speaking to a man and he did not know who the man was. And it turned out that the man was the high priest. Well, this man was highly corrupt, unbelievably corrupt, uh, and was related to the, 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 the crucifixion of Jesus. I mean, this man, if there was anybody who should have been despised or spit upon, if that's the kind of thing we give ourselves to, uh, it would have been this high priest. And in the moment Paul understood who the man was, he apologized and he quoted the Old Testament, which says, do not speak ill of the leader of your people. So the level of respect that is given even to unrighteous rulers in the scriptures uh, is something that ought to be an indictment to us in America, where we have a hard time even praying for a president uh, that we disagree with. And then, and then one more question. Um, 
somebody said, you know, what are the principles that get people out of poverty? I mean, how do you break poverty? Well, I want to I want to say that you know again that's a that's a that's a huge study and a, and a huge book and there are resources I can recommend I recommend about that. Uh, in fact, one of the books I would recommend is George Grant's Bringing in the Sheaves, a fine study of the biblical principles for ending poverty. But let me just leave you with one thought about how informal uh, and how morally based the breaking of most poverty is. We tend to think it involves great big complex government systems. But at Yale, not too many years ago, they did a study uh, on what would have ended most poverty that existed at the time. This was in the 90s, by the way. And this Yale study determined that a majority of the poverty in America would be ended if four principles were observed. Number one, if everybody would finish high school. Number two, if people would not get addicted to drugs and alcohol. Number three, if they would not get pregnant out of wedlock. And number four, if, a per, if people would not leave one job until they had another. That I believe at the time it was 67% of the poverty in America would have been wiped out. Now think about what I just said. Graduate from high school, don't get addicted to anything, don't get pregnant out of wedlock, and don't leave one job until you have another. Those are so simple and so character and morally based. And yet, at the time this Yale study was done, and it's easily looked up on the internet, uh, you, would, you, would, you would have wiped out 67% of most poverty. It wasn't a matter of mental illness. It wasn't a matter of um, you know, big complex government systems. It was simply a matter of individual morality and character. Now, certainly there are the mentally infirm. Certainly there are the oppressed. Uh, certainly there are the handicapped. No question, and I think you know from what I'm saying, that we need to take care of people in, the, in, the, in those conditions. But when 67% of most poverty can be wiped out through just character decisions at a young age, obviously some of the greatest approaches to poverty need to be teaching, training, modeling, uh, moral education, character education, and that's why we need to be embracing a more biblical approach to poverty uh, rather than just giving ourselves to the welfare state. So what's the macro principle? The macro principle is that Christianity does not just make the sign of the cross over the politics of the left or the right. Christianity is an alternative to both, and it has wisdom and content and, and guidance that we need to know in helping the poor and the needy, which is clearly the calling and the will of God. This Stephen Mansfield podcast was brought to you by the Mansfield Group. Find us at mansfieldgroup.com.